All three major religions are, first of all, corporations. They are considered to be companies, just like General Electric and General Motors and Ford Motor Company. Well, Islam is considered to be a corporation. It's a company. And <clears throat> Christianity is a corporation. It's incorporated under the Vatican canon law. And uh, and regular Protestant Christianity is a corporation. It's all a company. It's all companies, corporations. It's business. And so the way to keep business uh, going and, and getting hotter is to cause friction <clears throat> because that always brings out the best in people for for commerce is that there's a war going on commerce makes war and war is good business and so I think that's the reason why you have the three divine religions that's based on a fourth one all three of our major religions of this world are based on Hindu Hindu religion gives us Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And when you start doing the homework on Islam, you will see that Islam, like Christianity and Judaism, have have brought into their religion all of the ancient Greek gods from Zeus and all those concepts of the ancient gods and what they could do and what they did and how they ruled the world and the ancient Greek pantheon. It's all in Islam. And and then just to tell somebody, like Adolf Hitler said, that if you tell a lie long enough and big enough, eventually it will be believed. And so <clears throat> Islam has been told for hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years, it's been told to the Middle East Arabic population that, oh, that uh, Muhammad was the last great prophet of God. God's greatest prophet was Muhammad. And you keep telling those people that, and one day they'll actually believe it. And then before you know it, now you've got people riled up about Muhammad being the the last great prophet of God. And where did you get that? Well, somebody dreamt that one up a long time ago, and I think it was the Jesuits. Myself, I think the Jesuits gave us today what we call um, the Muhammad religion, the Islamic religion, I believe, is orchestrated by the Jesuits. And today, the, the Pope of Rome is a Jesuit. Hmm. And that's what the Jesuits have been trying to do for hundreds of years is to get inside the Vatican. Well, now they've got inside the Vatican, and now they've got one of their own Jesuits to become the Pope. And so <clears throat> there's a lot of politics and lies and deception and assassinations and murder and sex and bribery. All kinds of stuff goes on in the high halls of international power. And that's what's going on today in Rome. <clears throat> and don't forget that the Holy Father is the Holy Father. We call him a Holy Father because he's a Papa. He's our Father. And the Papa means a door. And so your Papa is a door. He's a door to life for you. And so and for him, for Papa to be a door, he needs to have hinges to open the door and a hinge in Latin is a cardinal that's why the Pope has cardinals because it's like having the cardinal point of a zodiac a cardinal point on a map is a cardinal city the word cardinal means a hinge something where you start and go out from is a cardinal point and so the Pope has the cardinals who are helping him deliver the message of the ancient gods which was Dagon, the Pope represents Dagon, not Jesus, 
Jesus has nothing to do with the Catholic Church. Uh, the God that is being worshipped and promoted by the Vatican, look it up in the dictionary, do something you've never done before, just go to a dictionary and read about a God named D-A-G-O-N, Dagon, Dagon the fish God. And you will see that the Catholic Church is promoting the worship of an ancient Phoenician Canaanite fish god called Dagon. And when you see the Pope wearing a strange headdress, that's a fish head. It's the symbol for the fish that came out of the sea, out of the waters of the earth. And, and his name was Dagon, the fish god. And when you start breaking down these stories... The classic example of the things I'm talking about that I'm telling you were absolutely outrageous. But we don't know what they mean, so therefore it's not that big a deal because nobody knows what it means anyway, so therefore nobody's offended. But when you read about Moses went up into the mountain and the mountain was on fire and the scripture says that God was in the mountain and the way that the ancient ancient uh, Israelites knew that God was in the mountain is because he always uh, he always expressed himself God always showed himself to the Jewish people <clears throat> as a fire by day and a pillar by night and that's what the scripture says it was a fire by day and the mountain that holy mountain was a fire by day and a pillar of cloud by by daytime, pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. And so, what what kind of a mountain is that? That has a pillar of fire at night, and a huge pillar of smoke by day. If it isn't a volcano, and volcanoes were always connected to in the Middle East, volcanoes were connected to feminine sex. This a volcano always represented feminine sex. The ejaculation of a female is, is, was symbolized by a volcano. The volcano was always given a female name. And this is why when Moses goes up into the mountain, he confronts God. And where does he see God? He sees him at a burning bush. The burning bush, I've seen pictures from Jewish magazines and articles that I've collected over the years. The burning bush shows a female sitting there with her legs somewhat open, and, and and Moses is now confronting God. Yeah, well, that's what you do as a male. You're confronting God with sex. And so the burning bush of the family is a female, her burning bush. And so it sounds so holy that Moses confronts God at the Holy of Holies in Mount Sinai, and God was in the burning bush. No, burning bush is a female female sexual symbol and this is why volcanoes today are given female names feminine names 